And then 20. Eight seventy-eight. So we had what was it? Six ninety-nine. Eight seventy-eight. Okay, because we're going to be at both. The bulk of our time will be in the Matthew twenty-two, but we'll be in Revelation twenty-two. Now, as you're there, right here's in your bulletin. We have to get the juices flowing, so you have an idea of where we're headed. We do that every Sunday morning. We just put a few questions in there, just say so I have kind of an idea of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, cat or dog. Right, dogs are kind of get to know your question. Um, I think dogs have it in this room. Do you think that animals will go to heaven? I can't tell you how many times I have that conversation, not only with other people, with other pastors. That question comes up a whole bunch. Um, so I don't know what you think. You know, why or why not? Do you have any verses to back that up? And then the bonus question, what happens after we die? Right, what happens after we die? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's read the passage, the Matthew one, and then we'll talk a little bit more here. Alright, verse 23, Matthew 22. Here's what it says, and I'll catch this all up, because we kind of come in mid-story here, but I'll catch this up. It says, that same day the Sadducees, who say, everybody say Sadducee. Yeah, they're important in this. That same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now, there were seven brothers. It says the first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second uh, and to the third and right down down to the seventh. It says, finally the woman died. So in verse 28 says, Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Since all of them were married to her. So Jesus replied, You're in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. It says, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Let's open up in prayer. God, we come before you this morning uh, talking, um, looking into a topic that you know, really, you're the only one that knows concretely, firsthand, what lies after death. We gather things from your word, from what you've put down, but you know the exact details and how it all plays out. And we pray that this morning you give us better insight as to what awaits us. And may that stir our hearts And may that change how we live today and how we'll approach this week coming up. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, the way we end up on this topic today about... So the title of the message is The Resurrection and Beyond. 
Right? Last week was kind of a separate topic. Uh, it was kind of more of just a rejoicing Sunday, really, of just thanking you guys for praying for the Murphy family, praying for little Judson, you know, and Julie, which uh, they're not here this morning, but they will be here soon. So it was just talking about prayer, the power of prayer, and how that all played together. Um, this week we continue through Matthew. Right, so I didn't just kind of pick this topic of resurrection and dead. I mean, honestly, this is more of like an Easter passage, really. Um, but this is where we end up this morning, because we're studying through the entire book. That's what we do. We go through the whole book, chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse. Um, but this actually does play into the times, believe it or not. So we had, uh, last week, we had um, Halloween, right? We had Halloween. And uh, on the liturgical calendar, we say the church calendar, um, that's like the celebration of All Saints Day, or All Hallows' Eve. And so that's a Sunday spent in many churches uh, where they recognize and they remember saints that have passed. And when you came in um, last Sunday, you may have seen from the church service before ours, there were some candles there. Or I think by the time you came in, they might have been in the corner back there. They had candles going, that stuff going. It was like remembering the saints. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, they probably did um, an All Hallows Eve and All Saints kind of uh, remembering type service. Tomorrow, right, going to be Veterans Day. Some veterans are among us, right? Some have passed. You know, so this issue as far as like dying and death and, you know, resurrection, at some point it's going to happen. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, at least in our calendar, it's pretty much applicable based on like kind of what's around us. I remember being um, on a missions trip. So I was fortunate enough to go on a few missions trips, and one of them, I went to uh, Uganda, Africa. Ever say Uganda? Anybody know where Uganda is? Maybe a few. It's in Africa, right? There you go. So it's like right in the center. It's like right in the center. And uh, we went, uh, so it was our summertime, so it's like their wintertime. Still super hot. Um... It was a great experience. It was a great time. Um, this particular missions trip, uh, I had a chance to go with a basketball team. And uh, what we did is we played their uh, college teams. We played some club teams um, and then a national team that they had. And uh, what we would do, that was like our platform. So they had Americans coming in. You know, we had like all, you know, the same like warm-ups and jerseys, you know, and stuff. And they had Americans come and They think, you know, we're... You know, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or something. Literally, no, we are just nobody. Um, but they want to get your get pictures taken, you know, and sign autographs and do all these things. But that's kind of like our platform. So we use that in a way to share Christ because they see Americans coming in and um, they want to know what we have to say and while we're there. And so what we would do is at those games during halftime, we'd kind of give a testimony about our lives and just talk about Christ. Or, or maybe if it wasn't a game, we'd go through and, and uh, do clinics you know, with kids in the area and do different things. So it was a great thing. And it was a good time. Um, one night I, I was going to bed, uh, and we had a few guys in the room. And I remember there's a teammate, uh, I forget his first name now, but I know he's from Western Kentucky. He's from Western Kentucky University. And... Um, we couldn't sleep. And it's crazy the way you sleep in Africa. They have like these bug nets, you know, around your bed because there's just, you know, bugs and mosquitoes everywhere. Which the first night, mine was left up. And I was like, I was just, just lit up. Mosquito bites all 
all up and down, you know, my whole like left side. Um, I woke up in the morning, I was just like, oh my gosh, so itchy. I was like, thank God I got those shots, you know, before I got here from malaria and all that stuff. But anyway, so one night, uh, we're laying there, um, you know, couldn't fall asleep, because like I said, it's still super hot. That's when you know you're on a mission trip, is when you go to bed and you're still sweating. It's like profusely sweating. So uh, we're in bed, we're lying there, and so uh, I forget his name. We'll, we'll call him Mike for now, I forget. So Mike's like above me in the bunk. He says, uh, he says hey, Jared. He said, you still up? I'm like, yeah, I'm still up. He goes, uh, hey, uh, what do you think happens when we die? And I was like, it's just so random, you know? And uh, I'm like, when we die? I was like, and I, and I, I didn't know him that well, and I, I didn't really know what, get what he was asking. I was like, well, it's like either going to be heaven or hell, man. Like, that's kind of like what the Bible says. Um, and I'm thinking that's like a weird question. We're like coming here telling people about Jesus Christ, about the Bible, and I think that issue would have been worked out ahead of time. <laughs> but, that, uh, but that wasn't exactly his question. Uh, it was more detailed than that. He's like, no, no. He's like, I know that. Um, and so I'm like, oh, okay. So he's like, you know, he's like, when we die, he said, like, what do you think happens? And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. He said, literally, he said, that next second, the very next second, as soon as we die, where do you think we go? I was like, oh. I was like, yeah. That is a good question. So it is a good question. And up until that point, early 20s, I thought about it a little bit, but not that much. Because I was coming from the position of, I knew I had accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I'd done it. I knew what the Word says, and I was trying to obedient live it out. And so I knew. I knew, and I hope you know, and if you don't know, we'll deal with that later. But I knew I was going to be in heaven at some point. Definitely when I die. If the Bible is real and the Bible is true, I knew what it said, and I was trying my best to live it out. So I didn't really think too much, you know, the very second right after. But it's a worthwhile, you know, question to ask. And this issue of death, resurrection, afterlife, it was a major, like, majorly contentious issue. It is now. It also was back then. I mean, even now. Uh, the big issue uh, is about, you know, hell. That issue is coming up a lot right now, and there's a lot of discussion about that. Um, heaven, um, how all that works, a loving God, you know, how does that, all that stuff piece together? So we're not going to cover all of that in totality this morning because we just don't really have the time for that. But eventually we will. See, that's the good thing about going through the Bible together is that I can't escape those difficult issues and questions. I might choose to, especially after a night like last night when I didn't sleep at all and that baby was just crying all night long. But eventually we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have to deal with it and actually going to come up very soon. But we're going to talk about part of that today. And so verse 23, let's take a look at it, let's see where we end up, and let's talk about a couple of issues, and then we're going to close with some communion. So verse 23, we arrive on the scene, Jesus' last week before he goes to the cross. He just rode in on a donkey, Palm Sunday. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. They're waving their palms, they're taking their cloaks off, they're throwing them on the ground. He's coming in with his donkey. Um, they're all saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Everybody praising him. 
A week later, they're going to be saying, crucify him. And we're very close now to that point. As he arrives in, the first thing Jesus does is he goes into the temple for the second time and he overturns the tables, the money changes, everything, clears them all out of there because they had turned church, God's house, into a money-making scheme, which some of you might know a little bit something about church and money-making. Hasn't really changed, unfortunately, for some churches in a couple thousand years. Jesus was not happy about it. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. That's why we focus on prayer so much here. So then the religious leaders come up to him and say, hey, you know, how can you do all this stuff? Who gives you the authority? What gives you the right? And then what they do is they start firing questions at him. This is like the last round of serious, heavy-duty questioning that Jesus gets before he goes to the cross. And so what they do um, is they ask about his authority. They ask him about money. In regards to the government, should they pay, should they not pay? And a specific group called the Pharisees, everybody say Pharisees. Pharisees asked about the money issue, but now we have the Sadducees, say the Sadducees. Sadducees about the resurrection issue. And then next week, we're going to talk about the greatest commandment of all. Because the Pharisees come back again. So it's like they're hitting the religious leaders are made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they just keep bombarding him, trying to catch him, trying to get him in trouble. So that's where we pick up. He already handled the issue of money. He said, hey, listen, um, you know what? You give to Caesar what is Caesar, you give to God what is God's. That's how money should be handled. So verse 23 says, that same day, the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection... And that's like the pastor, the old pastor's joke. Um, they believe in no afterlife, nothing after death. And so that's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> it's not a good joke. Yeah, it's, 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 but, uh, yeah, it's about as good as mine get. So uh, that same day, the sad, you see, say there's no resurrection. Right, so there's this idea of resurrection. And it divides even the religious leaders back then because you had a group that believes in it. Uh, the Pharisees believe, but the Sadducees don't. And so here's what they do. They come to him. Verse 24. It says, Teacher, they said, Moses. Now the Sadducees believe very firmly. They hold tightly to Moses. The first five books of the Bible, they hold tightly to that. After that, the Sadducees didn't really hold that tightly too. But the Sadducees did. So he says, verse 24, Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother, right, so a man marries, he has his wife, right, has no kids. Then he dies. So then the brother, if there is one, must marry the widow and have children for him. That was the deal that God had set up. And to better understand that, we take a look here at Deuteronomy 25. Should come up on the screen for us here. So I know it's small, so I'll read it. So here's what God said. Here's where they're getting this from. This kind of idea as far as, you know, hey, marry your brother and take care of the family. So it says, if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother, right, here's what they're talking about, shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The assumption that he's not married already. 
That, that needs to be clear. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Right? It was important that they carry on the family line, the family tradition. It meant a lot back then. Unfortunately, nowadays, it's just families just more based out of convenience and if it works or not. It's a much, much different mindset back then. However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders. Right? So he doesn't want to marry her for whatever reason. Go to the elders at the town gate and say, My husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of his town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I don't want to marry her, his brother's... This is interesting here, right? This is interesting. Check this out. His brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off... what She's going to take, go up to him, take off one of his sandals spit in his face, kid you not, this is the deal that is going on here, and say, this is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. So she'd go up to him, confront him, spit in his face, take off his sandal, probably smack him with it, right? Say, hey, listen, you're not being obedient. And then you're like the family of the unsandaled. So if you're walking around missing a sandal, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, right? Not good. It was very important in God's law that that family like, be built up. And I guess whatever could be done to keep a man's heritage, that's what God was trying to do. Um, really trying to build up a family. And it was interesting how even um, the woman would be so committed to where she'd actually even have to approach the elders and say, hey, you know, he won't marry me. So, we don't have that happening now, right? So, this is the issue they're talking about, though. And so the Sadducees are like, hey, listen, Moses said that this is what you're supposed to do. And they don't believe in a resurrection. So what they're trying to do, they're saying, well, hey, listen, if there is a resurrection, which they don't believe that there is, they're just trying to catch him uh, in a a contradictory situation. If there is a resurrection, and you have this woman who, um, you know, married this guy, didn't have any kids, he died, then she married the brother-in-law, then he died, didn't have any kids, then it happened again, then it happened to the seventh time. What's going to happen in heaven, Jesus? If there's a resurrection, who is he going to be married to? And now they're like, you know, with the gotcha moment. Jesus is like, come on. Come on. Verse 29, right? He says, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, again, we see this topic, right? This is an important event that's going to happen. It keeps getting referred to. We're going to look a little bit more at this. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So interesting, right? We're not going to marry, be given in marriage. We're going to be like the angels in heaven. It doesn't say that we are going to be 
angels in heaven. Right? That's like a misnomer that goes around. It's kind of popular, unfortunately. Um, that like when people pass away, like now they've become you know an angel in heaven, and that's not like what the Bible says. It's a nice thing to say, and I can understand why people would say it. But as far as like biblically wise, it's that's not accurate. The angels are created beings that already have a work and a duty that's being carried out. The Bible calls them ministering spirits, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Um, but uh, it's not like we die and then become angels. In fact, this past week, um, unfortunately. A young man that I knew growing up with, he was like three or four years younger than I was. Uh, his mom passed away, you know, and so he put on Facebook, you know, you know, you know, my mom went away. Angel needed another heaven, you know. Angel needed, no. Heaven needed another angel, you know. So, you know, my mom passed away and God called her home. And, and you know, that's not the place to be like, well, that's not what the Bible says, you know. And, and like, you post something like that, it's like, no, you mourn with them, like, and you have grief over that. But, like, you could see the mindset you know, that's there, and it's like, wow, man, like how many people, you know, think like that? Because that's not necessarily the case. In fact, um, it's a lot heavier duty than that, than us just becoming angels. There's a lot more involved in this resurrection. And like, when we're in heaven, I should also say, so Julie and I, like, we're not going to be married in heaven. And like, other people aren't going to get married in heaven not going to happen. We're going to know. There's going to be a consciousness. We're going to remember our life, but like right now, the way we live in our bodies, this is like not ideal right now. Like I needed to tell you, your body's not ideal. Um, this, this is not ideal right now. The way we feel and struggle and have pert, uh, hurt and pain and you know, we have strife and just like greediness and envy. Like this is not it. When we're in heaven, we're going to be completely perfected with new body. We get new bodies. So you can have a new 2.0, whatever you got, perfected very nicely. And I do too. Right? So we'll be up there in our new body, and it's going to function perfectly. To the point where I won't need Julie, my spouse, in the way that maybe I needed her here. Because in heaven, all my needs will be fulfilled completely by God himself and his presence. That's what the Bible teaches. So verse 31 says, But about the resurrection of the dead, right? He keeps talking about this resurrection thing. Have you um, not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Yours is in quotes when he says that, right? You see that in quotes when Jesus says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So Jesus comes back and he says, hey, listen, you follow Moses, you know Moses. So in Exodus at the burning bush, when that whole ordeal happened, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a good 500 years or so before the burning bush with Moses. And God says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Not was the God. I am. So using present tense like, hey, there is a resurrection just based on the word that you have been reading. You missed that part. And they were experts. But they missed that part. So verse 33 says, When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So he just blows them away with this. 
So this morning, I just wanted to cover two quick things before we get into communion time. One thing that we can't go through this whole passage, and there's no way we could like not talk about this resurrection. Got to. Got to talk about that. Because there's a lot of misunderstandings even with that. Other, I mean, you talk about, let's say, the Mormons, um, or Jehovah's Witness, or even, even other Christian, quasi-Christian sects. The views are very, very different. When you die, that's just it. Or only some get resurrected. Um, some of us you know, will have our own planet, and we're birthed spirit children. I mean, there's just, there's these things that are out there. But there's a legitimate following of people that follow and believe that. And we're called to live among them and be light and help show them the way of what God says. You know, and it is kind of bizarre, the spirit children thing. But I don't know, when I went to Salt Lake City, like, it's not funny there. I'm outnumbered. There's millions believing that. And we go knock on their door and we say hi, you know, and we talk with them. And it's like, they're laughing at me. But I'm like, no, like, you know, the Word says this. And so, like, what we have to do is we have to know what the Word says. That was their mistake, Jesus said. He says, you don't know your Scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. And so we don't want to be guilty of not knowing the Scriptures. And so when we get the door knock, hopefully we're ready to engage in conversation. So the resurrection, what is that all about? That's why you got your finger in your Revelations 20. So let's go there. And um, as we go there, I'm going to throw a couple of verses up here. What page is that again? Uh, A what? 878. Revelations 28, page 878. So we're still awake. That's good. Alright, so as you're there, okay? Up here, I got a passage um, from John 11, a few different passages. So what I wanted to do is, before we get to the resurrection, like, I want to make sure that we all understand that we all know that this idea of the resurrection, everybody say, and you've got to do it like this with your quotes, say, the resurrection, do that. See, so you won't forget when you do that, I'm telling you, you won't forget. Say, the resurrection, do it again. That's right, see, you're going to remember that. This was like a familiar topic that Jesus talked about, that like his followers talked about, it came up quite a bit. So to think that it wasn't going to happen was like kind of bizarre. And strange. In fact, John 11. This is Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that whole story. We just kind of pick up, just kind of like mid-conversation, just so you get the point that this was an issue that was talked about. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Lazarus was dead, right? So Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. Martha says, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, she knew about this. This is like familiar thought process, familiar conversation. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So like Jesus just lays it out for her. But she comes back with the questions like, Lord, I know I'm the resurrection. Like it's just understood. Like, okay, we're talking about familiar things here. Then there's another passage in Daniel. I don't have a lot of these because I'm not trying to give you a whole bunch. But Old Testament. It says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So this idea of resurrection, it's going to happen. Like, it's Old Testament, it's New Testament. There's many other places, right? But I'm not up here to just spray you with all kinds of just Bible verses and just overload you. 
just to give you the general idea that I'm not making this up. And hopefully also what you do during the week is you check me on it. Like, don't just believe it because I'm saying, because Pastor Jared's saying it. Like, you go read it and check it. Own it for yourself. It's, like, frustrating and discouraging when you come across people and they're like, well, my pastor said. Well, that's nice. I'm glad that you listened to your pastor, but, like, where'd they get it from? Where's that coming from? Is the truth part of you? Have you owned it? Do you know it? Right? That's the transition we want to get to. Alright, so let's take a look at this Revelations 20 thing. Alright. Revelations 20. And we won't be here long, but I just want you to get an idea of what's going on. Um, And we're going to pick up... uh, I think I want to pick up in verse 4. Yes, verse 4. So check this out. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. So in heaven, there's these thrones. There's people judging, right? Something going on there. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. Right? There's a whole story with that, but we don't have time for that this morning, but we will. It says, They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. So hold up. Put on the brakes. There's two resurrections. Did you know that? Bible bangers in here? Two resurrections. There's actually two. The first resurrection is for those people who had perished, maybe been beheaded, suffered somehow in some way, and I don't know you know, over what course of history exactly that happened. But nonetheless, um, they're going to resurrect and they're going to judge somehow. And then the rest of us, we resurrect after that. So two resurrections. Interesting the way it's going to play out. Verse 7. We'll we'll go verse 6. It says, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with them for a thousand years. Right? So there's this first death, which we have like our funerals and do stuff for, you know. We, you know, have memorial service and do stuff here, but there will also be a second death because after that resurrection, there's going to be another death, right? The way this is all going to play out. Verse 11. Uh, verse 7, sorry. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog, Magog, gather them for a big battle. In number, they're like the sand on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. So at some point in time, Jerusalem, Israel is going to be surrounded, right? And there's going to be this huge battle that's going to take place. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's not a good look for those that are not Christian. Day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on earth and sky fled from his presence. That's insane. Can you picture that? Earth and sky fleeing from somebody's presence? Can you even imagine that? And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. 
Another book, right, so I have these books open. That's interesting. I wonder what's in those books. It says, but another book was open, which is the book of life. Everybody say, book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into a lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So very interesting, the resurrection, right? So we will die. There'll be a first resurrection. Some other people will rise at that and judge, you know, those souls that have been martyred and been beheaded. That's the first resurrection. Second resurrection is when God calls out people from death and from Hades. And what He's going to do then from death and Hades is now He's going to open up the book of life and see if their name is in there. And then that's where He sorts them out. Like Jesus talked about the wheat from the chaff. The godly from the ungodly. And then that's where it all happens. And if the name is not found there, then you go to a place that none of us want to go. And hopefully we don't want our family members to go. We don't want our neighbors to go. And it's such good news that God has made a way so nobody has to go there. And praise God that we're even born in a country where we could even know that. And so we've got to get the word out to everybody we possibly can. So this resurrection is a big time, serious issue. If the Bible is true, then that's the way this whole thing plays out. At the end of the day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and will be standing right before God. And some will have Jesus' uh, Jesus's blood covering them, and some people will not. So, the resurrection is like what gives the Christian hope. We believe it in faith because none of us personally have been there, come back and we say, oh yeah, that thing in the Bible, yeah, that's true. Or like, yeah, that thing in the Bible, let's like reword that because it would be more clear if we said it this way. You know, what we do as Christians is we believe in faith that God put it in there, that God himself put it in there. And then we just believe that in faith. That's where faith comes in. I mean, at some point, we can give a lot of reasons. God gives a lot of understanding and an ability to reason through His Word. But at some points, it is by faith. That's kind of the whole life of the Christian. If it was some other way, there would be no need for God. In fact, if it was another way, well, we had all the reasons, then we would sit in judgment and say, eh, I don't like those reasons God gave for that one. It should have played out like this. And God knows that we would definitely do that. So, the Sadducees, right? So, this morning, right, what do we want to make sure that we take care of, that we deal with? I mean, it's 2013. We're not going to go outside and talk with Sadducees, you know, and talk about this stuff. But, we do live in a world where there's definitely some misunderstanding, some miscalculation based on the afterlife. Some things we just don't know concretely, but there is a good chunk of stuff that we should know, that Christians should know. And if that is really true, number one, I think it causes urgency within us. 
I think it causes urgency. If people are in trouble, if they're going to go to hell and experience a second death, if that's real, if that's really going to happen, and God has really placed us here to save, help save, help pray, and we got work to do. All of a sudden, like coming to church, you know, on a Sunday morning, and that's cool, like that's a supplement, but that's just to help me go carry out the work. It's just a help. It's a supplement. It's not the end all, be all. I don't know, some people, you know, go and, you know, go through different stages in their faith walk where just getting to church is a big deal. And I get that. But it shouldn't be a big deal for like 10 years. Right? So as far as Sadducees go, for us today, I think one thing that sticks out for us that we can hold on to is that the Sadducees, they held beliefs and they made assumptions because they did not know the Word or the power of God. So, they made assumptions and they believed things because they didn't really know what was in here. And they didn't really know the power of God. And so I feel like for us, November 10, 2013, we don't have to be in that position. There's no reason why we have to hold on to maybe false beliefs or get tripped up at times because we don't know what's in here. Like, man, we got the whole like, revelation. Last weekend we talked about the persecuted church, how they're bringing Bibles and they're bringing the Word of God into countries that have never had it before. And what's God going to do with them? Is He going to send them straight to hell? I don't think so. But I don't know how He's going to do it. I know He's going to be fair. But I don't know how He's going to do it. I do know if there's any other way into heaven other than Jesus, then that means He didn't really have to die on the cross. Like that takes something away from what He did on the cross. So what's he going to do with those unbelievers? It's hard to say. But if you've spent any time in this, there's no reason to hold a false idea or bad assumptions because if you've read this at all in any way and spent any quality time in here, you'd know that this God is loving, faithful, and man, he is doing everything he can to make sure we spend eternity with him. And I like at the end here, says when Jesus was done talking with them, right? he just left them astonished. They were perplexed. They were puzzled. They didn't really quite get it. And so I hope that, hopefully we look for opportunities to like engage in these difficult conversations. I'm hoping. And I'm hoping like when we get into these conversations and talk with people like about, you know, the Word and the resurrection, the afterlife. Hopefully we bring something to the table and like whoever we're talking with maybe leaves a little puzzled and perplexed. Oh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't really know that that said that. I can tell you personally, like during the week as I work, if for a math teacher, you know, at a Catholic school, I get into a lot of conversations like that. Oh, I didn't really know that was in there. Oh, I didn't really know that that said that. Is that really what that means? And then, but it generates to good things because then now they're going to ask and questioning other people. But I hope that, I hope that from reading a passage like that and looking how this thing will play out, hopefully, it just kindles a fire and a sense of urgency that, man, this is serious business. 
serious business where we stand before God and we've got to give an account for what we've done. And that phrase of giving an account for what we've done, it, it doesn't imply that like, we could do enough good things and then like, that works out. The Bible's really clear that we have to make a choice to accept Jesus. Like, that's really the part that really matters as far as what we've done. Hopefully we've accepted Jesus throughout our lives. doesn't mean we've been perfect, but we've accepted Him into our hearts. So God, I just accept what you've done for us. Because that's the thing that really matters. So, what about for the believer? So as soon as you die, you close your eyes, right? My friend at night, Africa, we're in bed with our bug nets. You know? Jared, what happens when we die? The very second. I think that the believer immediately gets pushed into God's presence. Immediately. Into heaven. Immediately. Death, in this place, Hades, is a place where people that have not made a decision for Christ goes. At the end, the people that will get judged, right, says that we just read in Revelation, they call out all the people from death and Hades. They stand before God and He opens up the book. I hope, my hope and my prayer is that we fill this room and we fill this town, this valley, right, this state, as many people as we can to make sure that their name is in that book of life. I don't know what's in the other books. I'm kind of interested. But as far as the book of life goes, that we are in there. Amen to that? Because now we go out and we infect and we infiltrate everything that the enemy is trying to take away because the other viewpoint is... I don't want God running my life. What kind of God would do the type of things that happens in this world? Um, what kind of God would send people to hell? All these issues need to be addressed and talked about. Like, those are not conversations we want to run away from or get mad at. We talk and engage it. And say, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It does, that does sound actually pretty bad. Why would God like, let this ridiculous storm come to the Philippines? Oh no. You know, all these veterans that maybe have died from these wars that maybe were fought for the wrong reasons with the wrong people involved, like in wrong ways. Oh no. But hopefully, if I was going to be in a conversation with someone, we could take it somewhere productive that would help shed some insight to the character of God. It's really difficult to do that if I don't know the scriptures like the Sadducees. So what we're going to do is uh, TJ is going to come up and uh, lead us in communion. And um, I would encourage you, if, if, uh, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, please... Don't wait anymore. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. There, I Listen, I agree with those of you that may be on the fence. There are more questions than answers. And I agree that at some point, you'll catch me with stuff that I, I have an answer for. And maybe somebody smarter will. But then at some point, somebody smarter than him will have another question for him. At some point, there'll be some answers or some questions that we just won't have answers for. And that's kind of the intent of God. It's very interesting that every culture and every society globally, it's very interesting. 
talked about the whole dog thing, you know, cats getting buried with people, dogs getting buried with people. It's very interesting. Every culture, every person, it comes natural to pray and worship something. Isn't that interesting? And really, the universe came from a big explosion and we came from a slime? Really? Come on. Really? So don't put it off, right? Don't put it off. You're going to have more questions than answers, but you take that leap of faith. So TJ is going to share a little bit more about what communion is, and then we'll pass it out, and then hold on to it, and we'll take it together.